and welcome back to some straight news topics on this pre-Christmas episode of Contemporary Conversations. Today is Monday, December 20th of 2021, about to roll into 2022. Uh, we are your hosts, Reed and Frank, and how are you, Reed? I'm pretty good, Frank. Christmas is only five days away. Can't believe it. I know, just right around the corner now. Yep, and then it's going to be a whole new year. Oh my. <laughs> Time flies when you're getting old. <laughs> right. <clears throat> so anyway, just to jump into the straight news topics we'll go over today. Um, for some reason, I've been thinking quite a bit about all this redistricting that's going on. Um, and I'm not really sure why it's been on my mind so much. Uh, people have even told me, oh, that's pretty boring. Why would you choose to do that topic on your radio show? <laughs> but I feel like it's important somehow. So I wanted to dive into it and see why it's sort of festering um, in my mind. And I did find some interesting things. I mean, when I first started the research, I do want to tell everybody um, we're going to put all the links and everything up um, as we've been trying to do a lot better now. But the first thing that came up was an interactive map that the Washington Post has out. And as you know, they're not the best source in the world. Sure. And this map was very confusing. They call it interactive, and I don't see how it's interactive other than it does have the states there, and you can click the individual states and see what's happening. Mm -hmm. But it just it's not a very concise map. It doesn't really say much, especially to a layperson. It's right. confusing. So I dug a little bit deeper, and about the best thing that I could find uh, is a PBS NewsHour uh, clip um, that was put out. Uh, Lisa Darjane is the host over there, and uh, this was put out on November 24th of this year, 2021. And uh, it was a very interesting piece. I highly recommend that you and the listeners go watch it if you're interested. But um, it just goes over a lot of big information about what's happening with all this redistricting and how it's going to influence probably the national map. And that's why there's, you know, it, it all happens at the state level with the state legislatures and we're drawing state maps. Right. But it has a big national impact. Right. Um, yeah. So the biggest thing is that the Dems only have a three seat majority in the House right now. So that sort of is the backdrop to this whole thing. Um, it's not, it's a very tenuous control that mm -hmm. they have. Yep. Um, and there were about seven states that ended up losing a seat due to the census now. So right. yep. because of this, they're having to redraw these maps. And those seven states that are losing a seat are California, Illinois, Michigan, Ohio, our state of West Virginia, our mm -hmm. old home state, uh, Pennsylvania, and New York. But on the flip side of that coin, you know, where sometimes where things are gained, it's, I mean, lost, it's gained elsewhere. Uh -huh. So there are six states who have gained seats, uh, yeah. Oregon, Montana, Colorado, Florida, North Carolina, and Texas actually picked up two more seats in the House of Representatives. Go Texas. Yes. So um, it's interesting, though, what's happening uh, where they're redrawing some of these lines. And one thing that they talk about in this PBS piece is how nine of these states, which are Washington, California, Arizona, 
North Dakota, Montana, Colorado, Michigan, Virginia, and New Jersey. Mm-hmm. They all have independent commissions who are, you know, sort of overseeing how these lines are drawn, how these right. new maps are created. Sure. But if you noticed that list, those are mostly the more liberal states right. that have these independent commissions. That means that most of the states happen to be in Republican control, and Republicans get to control this redistricting. Right. So it seems like just on the face of it that Republicans have a benefit here, Um as far as control over the state legislatures to be able to draw these maps. Um, Let's see. But one of the things that you'll see that's happening is that more competitive seats in more like swing districts. Mm -hmm. I mean, nothing else put it that way, but me, these, that's just sort of how I've thought of it in my mind. But what they're calling competitive seats, those are sort of going away. And uh, somebody in this video here talks about how these competitive seats in the House are supposed to drop by a third. And so just an example is like in Texas where they redrew uh, this map. What they've done is the competitive or neutral seats, they've now almost been completely flipped to blue, to being Democratic seats instead of neutral. Hmm. But what's happened is that they've, more, they've served to shore up the red districts that were already there before the census. So you see what they're doing? They're kind of making concessions by saying, okay, we're just going to lock in that these counties are red for the next 10 years. Oh, yeah. And you can have the swing districts. Right. You know, that sort of is what's happening here. And a really interesting clip that comes out of this particular video is there's a lady who works for the Washington Post, um, Mm -hmm. but she has this great quip about how it seems like politicians are choosing voters instead of voters choosing their politicians. Right. And it's really interesting, you know, that all of this should happen under, you know, right on the tail end of Trump. They had this majority. They were able to keep it. Remember, Trump was able to... um, even though we lost a seat in the House or whatever, um, control of the House. I mean, excuse me, control of the Senate. <coughs> Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I'm in, in like uh, the 2018 yes. uh, midterms. Mm-hmm. So it's cool that we get to have this. Um, and then, so to go over here, I thought we'd look at another couple of examples too because everybody's crying, crying foul. And I think you'll see even the Republicans, which is kind of funny because they seem on its face, like I said, like they stand to benefit from all this. Mm -hmm. But nobody likes this. Everybody's afraid of gerrymandering. This only happens once every 10 years. And nobody really loves this process. So to look at a couple of examples, the first one, let's see here. The first one comes from an article from the Nevada Independent, which I guess is like a newspaper, some kind of a uh, publication. Sure. They reported sometime about a month ago. um, You can go back and look at the article. The dates, I mean, the links will be provided. But about a month ago, they put out a report that said that the new maps out of Nevada were expected to make the swing districts there friendlier to Democrats 
and was supposed to help them win supermajorities in both houses of the state's legislative chambers. But despite that one-month-old, about-a-month-old report, I saw a really interesting article. This is what started the whole thing for me, was this headline put out by the Washington Examiner on 12-16 of 21. Uh, This was done by a lady named Kate Scanlon. And it asked the question, the title of this uh, article is, she's quoting a representative, Dina Titus, and it says, I totally got effed by the legislature. I totally got effed by the legislature. And she's talking about how they've done the redistricting. And even though, like I said, the Democrats are in control there, and it was mm-hmm. stated over a month ago that this process was supposed to help them gain a supermajority in the state. Right. She points out that this is likely to be a bad year for Democrats. She cites Biden's low approval rec- uh, ratings, mm-hmm. and she says that the House Republicans in Nevada only need about five seats in 2020 to regain the majority they lost there in 2018. Mm. So <clears throat> it's funny to me, even though they're in control of it, and the DCCC said that they were left stunned by the new maps that are about to be approved in Nevada. So even though they have control of the whole process, and it was supposed to benefit them, right? it's not. It's not going to. Mostly because, if you really catch what she says, because Biden mm-hmm. is so unpopular. Right. <clears throat> Next, to look at another example out of Pennsylvania, I found an article from Spotlight PA, and this was an article by uh, two individuals, a Kate Heng Pao and an Angela Columbus. And they talk about how, first of all, there, that the legislature is controlled by the Republicans, the House Mm -hmm. and the Senate. But they have a Democratic governor whose name is Tom Wolf. Yep. And um, he's hitting his term limit Mm -hmm. and can't run again. So a lot of eyes are going to be on Pennsylvania this year. Big national thing. Um, And the House Majority Leader... Uh, Representative Kerry Benninghoff, he sees the map for Pennsylvania, that's probably going to be approved, as being extremely partisan. And like I mentioned to you before coming on to air, it's interesting what how Pennsylvania does it. Mm-hmm. They have, sort of like the Gang of Eight up in Washington, if you're familiar with how that works, um, in Pennsylvania for this process, they form a co- five-person commission or committee, and it's the two leaders from the two parties from each house in the state house. You right. know, so that's mm-hmm. the Senate and the House representatives, the top uh, Democratic leader and the top Republican leader. That's mm-hmm. your four people. Then the Supreme Court appoints a fifth, supposedly neutral person mm-hmm. to act as chair for the committee. Right. And <clears throat> this five person panel. They ended up approving, by a vote of three to two, the House version of the map. And that's why this person, Representative Carrie Benninghoff, is upset, saying this is extremely partisan, because the vote was the two Democrats and the independent chairperson voting against the two Republicans. Mm. 
So it's just interesting to me there too that for the most part, it's the legislature that controls this process, not the Democratic governor. Right. It has nothing to do with it. And the Republicans there are even saying basically the same thing, that we're being screwed. Kind of like the the Democrat lady uh, that I mentioned, what was her name? Dina Titus out of Nevada. Right. Everybody feels screwed in this process, no matter if you're Democratic or Republican or what. Right, and they, they've <clears throat> always complained about it years and years. Mm-hmm. It's every, like you said, every 10 years, it's basically the same, same arguments over and over again. Yep. So it's, it's just super interesting to me. Um, and as a, one of the final points here that I have about it is that about 51% of the states have actually, as of, this, as of the date of this recording, only about 51% of the states have approved their you know, redistricting. They've mm-hmm. put out maps to, and have been approved by the legislature. And what's super interesting to me, and maybe one of the reasons why this has been on my mind so much that I didn't know, um, one of the most interesting facts I found through this research is that this must be done. The redistricting maps must be done and approved by primary season in spring. Mm. Otherwise, all of this is just going to be kicked into the courts, mm-hmm. and the courts are going to decide how oh. these maps are drawn, which has been done before. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it seems like it's supposed to be a legislative process, right. not, not a court process. So, just one last thing. If you would want to refer any of you back to uh, the PBS NewsHour piece, um, there's a moment at uh, 6 minutes and 45 seconds in where she sort of asks her guests, uh, and this is Lisa Darjane, sort of asks her guests, so what's the big picture here? And the only takeaway that both of these panelists can say is that the Republicans are going to take back the House. Sure. So it's really interesting to me, the whole thing. I still don't know why it stands out to my mind so much, Mm -hmm. but we've got deadlines coming, and everybody's opinion on it is the Republicans are going to win it. Right. Well, uh, that quote from one of the, I think it was one of the guests on that PBS yeah, the Washington Post lady yeah, whose the, name I didn't catch. Right, um, the one about where the like the Congress people seem to be picking the voters. Yep. Instead of the voters picking the Congress people. Right. I mean, you, they the voters still have to pick the vote for the Congress people to put them in there. And that was the interesting point. Yeah. About it was interesting about how we still won in 2018, kind of yeah. in a way. <laughs> I mean, because that, that's sort of like. Uh, when people argue about term limits for, um, like, the House of Representatives and stuff like right. that in mm-hmm. the Senate. Well, some people make the argument that, well, as long as the people are voting for them, you keep putting them in there. I mean, the people are voting for them. What's, what's you know, wrong with that? Right. So I think it's a similar argument that it's the voter, the people who are voting these, the Congress people in, and part of their duty is to make redo the maps mm-hmm. so they would presumably do it in the best interest of their constituents you would hope so but it right. seems to be more party um based right you know well i'm sure and obviously i don't think you ever really go get around that 
But it almost seems like we're getting hyper-partisan. But that's just, you know. Well, that's... Well, it's like I said, it it sort of came out of the research, too. Mm -hmm. It's not really so much an, uh, an opinion of mine. It's that, like this fella said, the competitive seats... Right. ...are being cut out. There's no sort of neutral ground anymore. Sure. Mm -hmm. So, that's all I have on that one. It'll be interesting to see how many states have their Supreme Courts decide their maps for them. Right. They don't get it done by that deadline. Because the primaries are coming up. Yep, they'll be starting before we know it. And speaking of primaries, one of the things that kind of caught my attention I've seen more than once recently uh, for one of my topics is there are rumors that old Hill Dog Clinton's going to run again in 2024. Oh, are you kidding? I know. I'm not joking. This isn't the Wiki Wacky Radio Show, which you fine folks should go check out. We got a recent Christmas episode. But, yep, I've heard it more than once. People speculate that she's going to run again, and if she does, I I think that's an easy win for whatever Republican. Because, nope, this would be the third time, and the voters have already said no twice, particularly no against Donald Trump. They picked Donald Trump over her, so I don't see why. Well, and, you know, some people don't have the best memories, but... Barack Obama was a nobody as well. Mm-hmm. She was supposed to be a shoe in right. back in what was it, two thousand and eight? Yep, I would think so. Yeah, um, uh, Obama was a first term senator. Mm-hmm. He was a nobody. Yeah, and he lost to a Clinton, a household name. Yep, exactly. She could have been riding off the the you know the back of Bill's success. But nobody wanted her, so I don't think they're going to vote for her again. I think it'd be silly, a waste of a candidate for the Democrat. I don't even see what it's a ploy for. Like she would drum up that much money for the DCCC or or any particular campaign, you know, should she cede to another and commit funds to another. Mm -hmm. How beneficial could she really be? I bet it'd be more of one of those, like, I mean, I can hear Tulsi Gabbard's voice in my head. Just uh-huh. stay home, Hillary. Yep. Nobody needs you. <laughs> it'd be nice to see her run again. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That'd be, that'd be That's good. a Democrat I'd consider voting for. Exactly, yeah. She's a, one of the good ones. <clears throat> but, um, now this is just going to be speculative talk, but I kind of thought that, you know, it's still practical, you know, Practically four years out, three years out from 2024. So I think uh, they could be maybe tossed around some rumors just to cover up some other news. What news? I don't know. Because this happened, as we record, This these rumors started before, and I think this is going to be your next topic, if I'm not mistaken, before mm-hmm. um, Senator Manchin from West Virginia basically put the end to the Build Back Better bill. So I don't think they'd be floating those rumors about Hillary Clinton to cover up that. Could be. I don't know. I mean... It's possible because it wasn't there... The the talks for that bill wasn't going well to begin with. Right. That's true. 
Well, and plus, I think they know in certain circles on their side, mm-hmm. people would rather gossip about Hillary than yep, than the doing it now than the straight news. Well, you know, but it's easier for them. Yeah, I get you. <clears throat> That's well, pretty much all I had for that. Mm-hmm. I understand. So, as was just slipped here, that's right. Our former governor, uh, Senator, well, our former governor turned senator, uh, Joe Manchin, he's making big uh, waves over the weekend saying basically no to the Build Back Better. He's not interested, done now. Um, so I'll have more on that in a moment, but because oh, okay. he did a big interview with Brett Baer, you know, on mm-hmm. Fox News Sunday, and uh, very interesting piece. I suggest everybody watch it, but I thought I might just dig in a little bit. If we're going to report on BBB, I thought I'd do an angle where we sort of say, well, what's in it and how do people feel about it anyway? Sure, okay. So I don't have too much. I certainly didn't go read the bill. Um, I don't have. <laughs> you know, after reading through all those Supreme Court, uh, what were they, transcripts, transcripts yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not interested in going and reading this bill necessarily, um, you know, not anytime soon, maybe after Christmas, <laughs> but um, <clears throat> I tried to find some people talking about what was in what was in it, you know, and so I thought, let's hear from a liberal. So I pulled up the ladies on The View. Okay. Ooh, yep. Okay. And so first you have Whoopi, and then what's her name? Not Barbara Streisand, but Joy Behar. Joy Behar. Yeah. yeah. You have them talking about it, of course, and they they say it's supposed to have these child care subsidies. Mm-hmm. Yep. I've okay. Heard that one. And and similarly the universal pre K. Yeah. And this is just going to be so great. And Ocasio Cortez is tweeting about. Uh huh about this uh, especially with mansion she she tried to get in the news too and say well west virginians would benefit from child care and health care <clears throat> so i found that interesting you know mm-hmm. and then there's supposed to be immigration reform which you'll see comes back up again here in a minute and there's supposed to be the largest climate change initiative in the history of the country oh yep I'm yeah they about that. they build build that so that's interesting. There's your liberal wish list. But then I thought, well, <clears throat> okay, well, actually, then I came across a CBS piece, which I find interesting, you know, talking about that immigration reform. Yeah. Well, CBS, over on CBS, they're talking about how he's not going to be able to pass this by Christmas. That's the new line he's out saying. Yeah. Um, won't be able to pass this by Christmas, which was a self-imposed deadline. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> And then they're also saying that parts of the Build Back Better having to do with immigration have already been overruled by the Senate parliamentarian anyway for the mm-hmm. third time. Yep. Because this is being done through reconciliation, this is a spending bill. Mm-hmm. There cannot be any language in the bill that does not impact, excuse me, that does not directly impact the federal budget. So they're trying to change some of the rules and say who can have amnesty, who can qualify as a citizen right. in a budget bill. So that's being stripped out. So some of the other things that are being stripped out, if you listen to our side of the aisle, the sort of things they complain about, I found a piece put out by Forbes of Steve Scalise on the House floor, and he's complaining about how there's a natural gas tax and some survey of uh energy providers stated that 
there's going to be something akin to a 30% increase on household electricity costs if this is implemented. Uh, there's supposed to be amnesty for millions, but of course that's been stripped out by the parliamentarian, mm -hmm. Good, thank goodness. But the scariest thing that not too many people talk about is that uh, the doubling of IRS staff. They want to hire something like 87,000 more agents, right. and they're going to be combing through bank accounts that have yep. over $600. I, I remember um, that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. They're going to be monitoring those accounts. So <clears throat> there are definitely parts to this bill that shouldn't go through, even despite Manchin's feelings on the bill. Right. So the last thing I sort of have on this, it's it was sort of a deep dive into Manchin's feelings. And it's amazing. It's like I've said to you personally a couple of times, who would have ever thought that it would be Manchin mm -hmm. standing up for some of these things? Right. So if you listen to him, this mostly comes out of the interview with Brett Bayer, but he refers to this as a mammoth piece of legislation. And he says, the inflation I was worried about, this harkens back to something we said on our last recording. I believe, what was the title? Inflation and... Uh, I forget the exact name. Um, I should have put that in my notes. but It was like SCOTUS, uh, Inflation, Omicron, and something else. Yes, but the last news show that we did, we touched on this on inflation. <clears throat> I pointed out how lots of people like Jerome Powell at the Fed and mm -hmm. some other people were waking up to the fact that this trans this uh, inflation is here to stay. Mm -hmm. Well, <clears throat> Manchin's realized it too. He says, the inflation I was worried about is not transitory. It is real. It is harming every West Virginian, mm -hmm. making it difficult for them to go to their jobs, put gas in their cars, to buy groceries. I mean, if you really listen to that, he sounds like Margaret Thatcher or yeah. something. <clears throat> so he says when Brett Bayer doubles down, he says, yes, this is a no to this legislation. This mm -hmm. is a no. He says this has been going on for five and a half months, basically yep. saying it's time to move on. Right. He says that programs in the BBB are only being funded two to five years instead of ten or more but that the overall size of the package in terms of the Democrats' goals hasn't changed at all. He says there's too much now that should be emphasized and funded 10 years out into the future mm -hmm. that aren't being funded. He says it's not genuine what the, sure. what the Democrats are doing, the far-left Democrats. <clears throat> Yeah, they, they want all these programs. Uh-huh, go ahead. I was going to say, they like to do these things where they set up, you know, new programs or benefits, and in the bill, they write that it's only supposed to last for like a year or two years or so long, however long. Yep. Banking on the fact that when it comes due, the nobody's going to want to vote it, you know, not, let me rephrase it. Yep. When it comes to you, they're going to vote it again because they don't want to have to go home and say, oh, sorry, we couldn't vote for that anymore, even yeah. though it ran out. Nobody's going to want to turn it Yeah, because they've gotten used to the yeah. program. Well, it's like there's a quote from Milton Friedman. Mm -hmm. He says, there's nothing more permanent than a temporary government effort. Yep, that's right. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so, but the biggest thing for people like Joe Manchin 
not just Joe Manchin, but people like him. Um, I think Kirsten Cinema is interested in sort of the same thing, and um, there are others who are sort of like what you'd call debt hawks. Is that what you call them, maybe? Or budget hawks, maybe? Budget hawks, that's it, yes. Uh, well, the CBO put out a figure. As written, if this bill were to pass, it would add $4.5 trillion to the deficit, to the federal deficit. Oh, my gosh. That's as written. <clears throat> right. Well, and I just uh, saw recently, maybe only a couple of days ago, that the federal debt, if you divide it amongst household or all the people, every person uh, has like 200 thousand dollars of like government debt. Basically. Well, it's actually interesting. I have a link to the National Debt Clock okay. in the show notes for this episode. Um, I thought that might be interesting, and oddly enough, I looked at it, and it's there. You can actually find all of that, a breakdown, uh, how much they claim the individual household savings is, how much the individual household debt, debt per person, debt. It goes on and on and on, mm-hmm. how much student debt, how much credit card debt. So you guys are welcome to click that link and see that for yourself if you'd like to see the actual statistic. <clears throat> but yes, it's crazy. And you have to remember, Manchin is chair of the Energy and Natural Resources Committee. Mm-hmm. And so one of the things that he's big about is energy, energy independent. And um, basically, in, in, in not just, like I said before, he, you know, he almost sounds like Margaret Thatcher, some of these things he's talking about. He almost sounds like a Republican. And yeah. here, when you listen to him on energy independence, he sounds like that, too. He says, you know, we shouldn't be dependent on foreign nations right. for our energy. We were just energy independent under Trump for the first time in, like, 67 years or more. Um, so it's just super interesting to me that he's actually looking at the big picture you know, he's actually worried. He talks about how what happened in Texas, you know, when, when the snowstorm hit last oh, yeah. year and yeah, they lost that. energy for a long time. Mm-hmm. And he talks about how, uh, how insecure California's energy grid is. It's always oh, yeah. going up and down and up and down. Yep, rolling blackouts all the time. Exactly. And, he, and he's looking out not just for his constituents of West Virginia, but to other, other at-risk sectors of the united states too right so he he finds it um a big national security matter to be independent um energy independent and so he, he talks about how yes they're putting they've done more than they've ever done he's the chairperson of the committee he's a democrat they've done more than they've ever done towards these green initiatives before but you can't have one at the cost of the other. And he says that if the technology is just not there for these green things, you can't just eliminate fossil fuels. Right. You know, you yeah. can't just eliminate whole sectors of the economy right. and when people depend on these things, need them. Right, and they talk about trying to get all these electric vehicle charging stations all over the place, but they... Never talk about the fact that the electricity provided to those charging stations is most likely going to come from fossil fuels, whether it's natural gas or coal. There's not enough wind farms and solar panels that run these charging stations for all these electric vehicles. No. Well, and another thing, I mean, I don't have anything prepared about this. You might just have to take me at my word or do your own research, but... 
one of the biggest ways to make these green initiatives work when you actually put it down on paper and you say, okay, you know what? Forget everything else we are. We're going to do this green program. Mm -hmm. Come hell or high water, we're going to do it. The only way to make ends meet is nuclear. Yeah. Tell me that's the right answer. Seven, you're talking about waste that won't be eliminated for 70,000 years or more. We're just going to put new nuclear stations everywhere. That's the, that's the way we're going to do it is nuclear. You're yeah. telling me a green hippie. They want more and more and more. Nu- they want a nuclear station in your neighborhood, their neighborhood. I doubt it. Right. And is it no. really green? <laughs> Who knows? Debatable, I suppose. Well, that takes care of my two topics there. All right. Um, well, the only other one I really had, um, and I don't really have too much on it. The other day I was scrolling through our news across the web page or our website at contemporaryconservative.net. And uh, a headline jumped out at me, and I don't really remember the headline because it wasn't necessarily the article that gave me the idea. Uh, but it was something about the lieutenant governor of um, Florida, who's um, a female, was talking about how uh, uh, these local liberals use the word Latinx. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because the lieutenant governor down there, she's a Latina. A Latinx. Yeah. Or I like <laughs> to say Latinx. Latinx. Yeah, Latinx. And... Uh, it mo- made me think about how recently, uh, it might have been on, yeah, I think it was on Crowder, um, how they were talking about they, there's a new survey out where there's like a large majority of Latinos and Hispanics who don't use that word and some of them find it even offensive because, you know, the whole idea to these liberals is that using Latino or Latino is gendered language, and you can't have that anymore. It's not supposed to, you know, specify male and female, because they want they basically want to get rid of the two genders. Excuse me. <clears throat> and it made me start thinking about the some other words that they use that are kind of silly, like one of the oldest ones that I can recall. Um, well, it's not really the oldest, but it's been around a while. Is undocumented. Mm-hmm. Yeah, to refer to the illegal immigrants. And they come up with all these different words. Sometimes you know, they use the words to hide the truth or to normalize things. Like another new one I've heard is minor attracted person. They use that instead of a pedophile. You can't call them pedophiles anymore because that's offensive to pedophiles. Like, <laughs> like we're supposed to care whether or not we're being offensive to pedophiles. So you gotta call them a minor attracted person. Well, of course they want to attract the pedophile. <laughs> right. They're Democrats. Yep. And then, you know, there's a couple other examples. Um, another new one is unhoused. You can't call them homeless people anymore because that's, I guess, offensive too. They're just unhoused. <laughs> Instead of homeless? <laughs> yeah. I don't get, it's not, it's, 
like not that we're all gonna be unhoused people someday yeah right exactly well i guess another kind of old one is you know i suppose nowadays it could be offensive i don't know how offensive it actually is but instead of saying colored colored people it's persons or people of color Mm -hmm. it's basically the same thing yeah but but one's racist and one's right one's not one's supposed to be non-offensive that's that was my point before i mean they're democrats of course it's racist they're (laughs) they have no good intent i really believe that they call themselves the big tent party because they just want power they'll take anybody who will vote for them you know and if you're not a democrat everything you do and say is wrong yep and um if you're a democrat everything you do and say is okay baby that's right exactly and i I just think it's funny how they always use these euphemisms and another another good one is reproductive rights usually a euphemism for uh the ability yeah the ability to have an abortion Mm -hmm. which we all know you pretty much gave up well i shouldn't say gave up your reproductive right but the, you know, you can't end your reproductive right or utilize your air quotes, scare quotes, reproductive right. Once the reproduction has begun, hmm. you have reproductive rights before that process, you know, by means of, you know, protection, abstinence, however you want to do it. Well, it's like, it's like my mama used to always say about cooking. Mm-hmm. You put good stuff in, you get good stuff out. You know what I mean? Yep. can't have one without the other you know babies well immaculate conception did happen this one time (laughs) (laughs) i just think it's it's you know kind of funny and and interesting how they're always coming up with new language and next thing you know the words that they themselves created are going to be offensive again because they've got some new language for it well, I have two final points on it, sure. if you don't mind. I think I'll put a really... I'll wrap it up with a nice bow at the end, if I can do it right here. But <laughs> somebody even pointed out to me recently, Webster has changed the definition for anti-vaxxer. Oh, yeah, I think I mentioned this to you. Yeah, it's now to include people who are hesitant about the mandates yeah. and about uh, requirements, about government requirements and such a thing right Right. yeah it's just not just no anti-vaxxer means somebody who doesn't want to take vaccines or believes that they're harmful in all you know in all cases it also means somebody who opposes vaccine mandates so that's interesting Mm -hmm. and somebody flippantly made the comment that well now webster's is less accurate (laughs) (laughs) right so, um, my final point, just put a nice bow on this, is like you were saying with the Latino, Latina, mm-hmm. Latinx example. Right. These liberals go so far in their absolute ignorance mm-hmm. that not only would they bastardize English, their own language, yeah, but they languages. think they can bastardize Spanish and other languages they don't speak or comprehend right. because genders involved yeah <laughs> well i mean i was thinking about this earlier and instead of saying poner la mesa you know to set the table 
Am I supposed to say Ponela Mesk? Mesex? Or Masex? I don't exactly. know. Exactly. Yeah, because... You just change the whole language right, or you rip out the gender component. Yeah, it's there for a reason. Mm-hmm. So they're silly. <laughs> they don't understand... No. ...human nature. They don't understand the laws of nature. They don't understand the nature of language. They just want to control everything. Right. They're control freaks. <clears throat> and they want it to be vague and confusing for the people using the language so they can control those and admonish those who use it incorrectly. Mm -hmm. Well, I think it's sort of the opposite. I think they want everything general so when you know what you're talking about, they can say, we don't use terms like that. Right. Well, yeah, they use it to identify who's on their side. Right. Yep, that too. Well, with that... Is that it? I believe so. I okay. That's all that's here in my notes. So That's all I had. So I think with that, we would wish you all a Merry Christmas and... We would hope you'd check back with us in the new year for more news and updates on these continuing stories. That's right. And you can check out our other show, as we mentioned, the Wiki Wacky Radio Show. We got a new Christmas episode up there. And uh, you could also check us out on YouTube now, in case you might have missed that in our last episode. Both shows are on there. Links will be in the description. And we're slowly improving our website. Uh, you can check out a few extras we have there for you at contemporaryconservative.net. And we hope you tune in next time. Thank you for listening.